From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shep, budget and appropriations reporter. And we're going to talk about spending big time today, Jen, because Senate Democrats have upped the ante on President Biden's spending plans to as much as $6 trillion. You might remember Biden has proposed about $4 trillion for his infrastructure, his education and childcare and paid leave package, climate change. All of that amounts to about $4 trillion. Senate Democrats are now trying to assemble a roughly $6 trillion package, half of which is deficit financed, we think, details still not out, all done through budget reconciliation to avoid a Republican filibuster. Jen, this is pretty big, a pretty big gamble here. Yeah, this was a pretty kind of surprising number that Senate Democrats sort of floated out there this week in terms of how much funding they might include for reconciliation instructions in that fiscal year 22 budget resolution. The Senate Democrats are hoping to come to agreement on in roughly the next week or so before that chamber leaves town for the 4th of July recess. And this would obviously, we've known for a while that Democrats were looking at the reconciliation process to approve uh, that sort of broad set of infrastructure proposals from President Joe Biden Uh, But it looks like there's a lot of additional spending being considered in here. And one of the areas uh, that is sort of broadly expected to, you know, potentially be included in Democrats' reconciliation instructions uh, is a proposal that Senate Budget Chairman Bernie Sanders has been championing for quite a while now. Uh, that could lower the age of Medicare eligibility to 60 um, and would broaden um, the types of healthcare services covered by Medicare uh, to include things like eye care and dental care um, and hearing aids. And so that is something uh, that Democrats have really wanted to do for quite some time. And so it seems like they might be coalescing around some type of plan to do that through reconciliation. Um, But then there's also some talk about potentially moving immigration proposals through reconciliation, though they have not solidified around any even sort of broad parameters for that yet. And a lot of that would be determined by uh, whether or not the Senate parliamentarian determines that those proposals are in line with budget reconciliation rules in that chamber. Yeah, there's got to be a lot more in here than we've even seen yet, because, you know, this would exceed Biden's request by about $2 trillion dollars. I mean, this is huge money on the table. Uh, You have to think there's a lot they're going to fund besides what Biden has already proposed that Republicans say is too much spending. Um, So I'm guessing there has to be at least components of immigration in here that cost some big money. Uh, We know Democrats have talked about the expanded child tax credit uh, and making that permanent. That's very costly to do to make it permanent. Uh, that was big money there. As you say, Medicare, healthcare policy. There's got to be a lot of stuff in here if we're talking about a $6 trillion number. That was kind of stunning this week to, to, to know that they were shooting that high, um, as difficult as it already was to get Biden's package passed at about $4 trillion with, with almost no Republican support at all for anything of that size. 
And now Democrats are calculating, well, if we're going to do reconciliation and it's going to be partisan anyway, uh, you get the feeling their attitude is let's shoot for the moon now and do $6 trillion. Yeah. And we should say that conversations and negotiations amongst Democrats about their fiscal 22 budget resolution and their reconciliation instructions are ongoing. So none of this is really set in stone yet. Um, and that $6 trillion figure likely would not be spending in one year, right? It would probably be spread across the 10-year budget window or potentially even a little bit more. They could do something like a 15-year budget window if they really wanted to. And so, you know, that is, you know, one thing that Democrats are looking at. And I think these conversations are really going to be um, heating up in the next week or so. And another new development this week that I thought was pretty fascinating is I was talking with Senate Budget Chairman Bernie Sanders, and he indicated that Senate Democrats are just you kind of talking amongst themselves. They're going to do their own fiscal 22 budget resolution with reconciliation instructions. And that House Democrats are going to be talking amongst themselves to do their fiscal year 22 budget resolution with reconciliation instructions. And so instead of one chamber accepting the other chamber's budget resolution, it sounds like we might have slightly or even substantially different documents between House Democrats and Senate Democrats that need to be either formally conferenced at some point in July ahead of the August work period, uh, or that, you know, after each chamber votes on their original budget resolution, one chamber probably the House accepting the Senate document um, could take place. And so I think that's going to be really interesting to watch as well for people who are interested in the process of all of this. And so the month of July, we think, is now is going to be spent dealing with these budget resolutions, which, which are the first step needed to do a big reconciliation package like this. And we'll have competing House and Senate versions of it, it sounds like, and they're gung-ho to get that done. But here's the fascinating thing to me, Jen, is that they're plunging ahead with this reconciliation strategy and they don't have the votes for it. You've still got at least two Senate Democrats, Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, who have not yet agreed to support one of these partisan reconciliation bills. And to get them on board, they're still pushing for a bipartisan infrastructure plan. And to get them on board, there's got to be some kind of bargaining going on within the Democratic caucus. To, that's why you're still seeing what Schumer, Chuck Schumer calls a dual-track approach here of pursuing a bipartisan deal at the same time they pursue this reconciliation bill. They've got to appease Manchin and Cinema at a minimum. Um, because they need every single vote they have in an evenly divided Senate, 50-50 Senate, you know, everything's at stake, every single vote. They've got to appease Manchin and Cinema that they're trying to work in a bipartisan way. And so also this week, we've seen this bipartisan Senate group come out uh, with a little more details on their, on their bipartisan infrastructure plan. It's much, much smaller than what Democrats want. It's only about $579 billion in new spending over five years. You know, nothing like Biden's $2 trillion proposal. Uh, and I have to say, they've, they've now claimed to have outlined a, a few ways they're going to pay for it. It's pretty vague still. And I'm not sure we know exactly where the money comes from. Uh, they, they've been sort of vague. They're, they're still talking about using untapped money from pandemic relief, 
um, uh, some kind of charge on electric vehicles. But I mean, the rest of it's pretty thin rule for for showing us where the money is that they're getting. Um, but there's but they've got eleven Republicans on board with that right now, and ten Democrats that we know of. Um, so there's some momentum there behind this bipartisan package, and they're going to need that to have any hope of of going to Mansion and Cinema and saying, "Look, we've worked in a bipartisan way. We've got you this infrastructure money uh, that both parties can support. Now you've got to get behind us on reconciliation to get the rest of this done." It's going to be quite a lot of bargaining going on behind the scenes. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of work for Democratic leaders to do, not only with moderate Democrats in the House and Senate, uh, but progressive Democrats in the House and Senate in terms of really settling this two-track approach, it sounds like. Um, and going forward and looking at the budget resolution, it does sound like Democrats are planning to include reconciliation instructions for everything. And then they're saying that, you know, if a bipartisan proposal comes together and clears Congress and gets signed into law, we can just subtract that later on during the reconciliation process. But it sounds like Democrats are really planning to put everything in reconciliation and then say, you know, that's great if a bipartisan package comes together and then just kind of remove that from reconciliation. And so I think the big test is going to be, you know, what benchmarks do leaders of the Democratic Party and do progressives want moving forward because we've heard a lot of skepticism from left-leaning Democrats that they are concerned that if this bipartisan package moves first in July, as some expect and as Schumer has indicated a few times, that when it comes down to getting the more left-leaning spending, the more left-leaning policies into the reconciliation package, that Mansion, Cinema, and potentially others are going to step back and say, you know, we think this is just too much spending. We don't agree with a lot of these proposals and not support the reconciliation package. And so I really think Democratic leaders face a challenge here in threading the needle in process and timing to make sure that if a bipartisan package actually comes together with full agreement from, you know, the White House and Democratic and Republican leaders, then they can also accomplish these goals that they've been working towards for years now. Um, otherwise, I think there's going to be a lot of frustration among left-leaning Democrats that this process did not go how they want it to go. And that's kind of why I was surprised to see this week that they're really talking about upping the ante to $6 trillion. I mean, it makes it a lot harder to win people like Manchin and Cinema uh, to get them on board. I don't know how... And, and Manchin has been playing the role of kingmaker for months already. He did it with the pandemic relief law, insisting on all kinds of changes to get his support. You know he's going to do the same thing again. Cinema can too. Any of them can because they need every single vote. Um, it just makes it that much harder to see this coming together. Um, we're really looking for, I mean, this could be a mess of a showdown this fall. Um, which is when it sounds like a reconciliation bill would finally be ready for action. Yeah, and I think one thing that's important to note here is that 
even if Democrats do write a ceiling of $6 trillion in reconciliation instructions, that doesn't necessarily mean the final reconciliation package will be $6 trillion, right? Um, and because the way that we expect Senate Democrats to write these reconciliation instructions is saying something broadly along the lines of, you know, the Finance Committee in the Senate can spend up to X amount of dollars on its portion of the reconciliation package. And so if in the end, the Senate Finance Committee only spends half of the money it's allotted in its reconciliation instructions, its portion of the reconciliation package still complies with those reconciliation instructions. And so one thing that Senate Democrats could be thinking here is you know, it's going to get us a long time to kind of, it's going to take us a little while to coalesce around what we want in this reconciliation package and to get into the details on pay-fors and other issues. So let's just give ourselves some room at the top to make sure that we don't reach final agreement on something that would violate the ceiling of spending limits in the reconciliation instructions. Yeah, I think for sure this $6 trillion is intending to be sort of the opening bid. Um, and chances are the price is, is going to drop from there as they as the bargaining begins and they have to reach some kind of deal. Um, but still, it's striking that, that they would shoot that high to begin with and, and just have a lot more work for themselves to reach, a, to reach some kind of deal that has any hope of, of, of passing. And of course, the hard work is still to be done on how to pay for all this stuff because Boy, there's still a big disconnect. Will Democrats go for Biden's efforts to to raise taxes on corporations to pay for this and raise taxes on upper income households? I'm sensing a little bit of nervousness still on that on that side, um, and and that's no deal at all for Republicans, uh, and they know that. the The risks keep growing here. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of the more complicated processes of the reconciliation negotiation in terms of how to pay for it. Um, and I think House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had some pretty interesting comments yesterday. She basically said that she doesn't want to start negotiations with pay-fors, um, that she wants to sort of figure out what the need is, put together that package, and then decide the pay-fors. And so I think various factions of the Democratic Party are coming at negotiations from slightly different angles. And I'm curious how that works out during what's likely to be a very hectic July work period. Yeah, and we should say, I mean, these next few months are really critical as they work this out, because this is really Biden's domestic legacy on the line here. This is all the stuff he wants to do in his term, and at least his first term. Uh, and he knows that. He's laid it all out. This is Democrats' chance to get it through or not. And they know that they really only have this year to do it because next year is the midterms. Uh, and it becomes much harder to do it in an election year. And Democrats also know they're at real risk of losing one or both chambers to Republicans in the midterms next year. This really is their shot to get as much of Biden's potential legacy through as they can. Everything is on the line right now, and there's not a single Democratic vote to spare if they have any hope of getting it done. Yeah, and in addition to you know being slightly busier next year with campaigning in the midterm elections, 
if Democrats are going to run on this package, this reconciliation package, you're going to want some benefits of that as Democrats see them out in the real world, especially in swing districts to campaign on. And that's going to take a lot of time to happen. And so I think that's another factor at play here, right, is next year you don't just have leadership and at-risk Democrats turning their attention to campaigning and trying to hold their majorities in the House and Senate, but they also want to have time to have some of the effects of this out there in the real world for people to see um, before that campaign season kicks into high gear. So brace yourselves, hang on to something here because uh, there's going to be some heavy duty negotiating and we're beginning the appropriations process for the annual spending bills at the same time starting next week. And then July, we're going to be consumed with this budget resolution and reconciliation talks. There's a lot going on. We'll be here to cover it all for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. 